Good morning. It's good to see you. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13. In this chapter, as we've been going through the gospel according to Matthew, we've seen Jesus give parable after parable, which are these stories or illustrations, word pictures that point to a deep spiritual reality. And the last two weeks, Jesus has been on the farm talking about seeds and soils and wheat and weeds. And today, Jesus now moves us into the pantry and into the kitchen and into a treasure chest and an upscale market and a fishing net and how all of these things show us what the kingdom of heaven is like and really showing us the power and the worth of the kingdom. And so let's Read along with our brother Matthew as he tells us these teachings of Jesus by the Spirit, beginning in verse 31. And if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of the word of Christ. Matthew writes, he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds. But when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables and he did not tell them anything without a parable so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. I will open my mouth in parables. I will declare things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now skip to verse 44. We looked at the other parable last week. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a large net thrown into the sea that collected every kind of fish. And when it was full, they dragged it ashore, sat down and gathered the good fish into containers that threw out the worthless ones. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the evil people from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They answered him, yes. Therefore, he said to them, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom treasures new and old. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Since the 1960s, 1960s, a woman in France who's now in her 90s kept a painting of Jesus in her kitchen that she thought was no big deal, just a normal average painting. And as she was preparing to move, to downsize, and to kind of get rid of more stuff, instead of moving all of her stuff with her, she decided to sell off a bulk of what she owned and to even just auction off some of her furniture and appliances. And something happened around this painting. As an appraiser came and valued the furniture and other items in her house, he noticed the painting that was in her kitchen 
And there was a little discussion. I'm sure people said, throw it out. Who cares? It's just an old painting. You don't need to bring that grandma. But the auctioneer, you know, appraiser said, hey, I don't know a lot about art. This is not a print. This is an actual painting. I would bring in an art expert to, to look at this. They oblige. Art expert comes in. And what was perceived as an ordinary painting, just ignored for decades, hanging above the hot plate in her kitchen, it turned out to be a treasured painting from the 13th century, from the 1200s. And the title of the painting is from an Italian artist. And the, the painting's called Christ Mocked. And here, here's what it looks like. Christ Mocked from the 13th century, hanging above a hot plate in a woman's house. It goes to auction, sells for $26.6 million dollars. The moral of the story, check your grandparents' Jesus paintings. <laughs> so for decades, this grandmother and her family they had no idea what was in their possession. What they walked past on Sunday afternoons, what they ignored during the week, something they probably even joked about, thought was lame, and said, I'll just throw it out, who cares? And there it is, $26.6 million. And she even said, I have no idea how this came into our family's possession and how I ended up with it for all these years since 1960. They had no idea the, the worth of what they had. Beloved, do you know the power and worth of the kingdom of heaven? That's what Jesus is getting at in these parables. The power and the worth of the kingdom and of himself. And that's the first thing Jesus gets us to today is the viral power of the kingdom. Look at it, verse 31. So he presents another parable to them and he says, the kingdom of heaven. This is what all these parables are. What is the kingdom of heaven like? He says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. So the kingdom of heaven is God's reign and God's rule for those saved by Christ. It's not just the church. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, the kingdom of heaven is the church. No, it's, it's manifested, yes, in the church because the church is the people. And the kingdom of heaven is made known through people. And I, let's just think of how it's contrasted, the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world have boundaries, borders, and they're limited by capital and taxes. And, and these kingdoms, they can't get too pushy with other kingdoms or they get in trouble. And those, the kingdoms of this world, they're imperfect. They're, there's ulterior motives. There's scandals. There's under-the-table deals. But the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, isn't hemmed in by anything or by anyone. It's not restricted by capital or taxes or fundraising. And it, the kingdom of heaven gets incredibly pushy with the kingdoms of this world, eventually taking all of them over by the end of the age. And we see the kingdom of heaven every day. Every day you take it with you. And every day you live the kingdom of heaven out. Do you remember when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, teaches us to pray, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, like these are synonymous, on earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom coming down. So when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's when you live it out. When you are a peacemaker, you are living out the kingdom of heaven. When you live out the Sermon on the Mount, you are embodying and bringing the kingdom of heaven near. 
Like when you notice the log in your eye, before you notice your brother or sister's speck of sawdust, the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. When people are born again, the kingdom of heaven is playing its, its trumpets. When you forgive, when you bear burdens, when you love your enemies, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. See how tiny a mustard seed is? Look. I don't have one, but you would know. You wouldn't be able to see it anyways. But this picture, this mustard seed right here. What does Jesus say about the mustard seed? Look at what he says. Verse 32, it's the smallest of all the seeds. But when grown, it's taller than the plants and it becomes a tree. And see how tiny this is? One millimeter. Now, people can object to this verse. You may have heard this before. Maybe people have tried to argue with you about this verse. Jesus said, it's the smallest of all the seeds, but it's not. A jewel orchid's seeds are actually 0.05 millimeters, while the black mustard seed is only one millimeter. See, the Bible's full of lies. Busted. Bible's falling apart. Let's shut it down. No, not at all. The black mustard seed, which is native to Israel, and this would have been the smallest agricultural seed Jesus' listeners would have known, and they would have been able to relate to this. Jesus, who is God, if he would have said, now, the orchid seed, they'd be like, he's making up seeds. They don't have a farmer's almanac. They don't have the internet. They don't know about other plants that aren't really in their region at this time. If he would have said, now, the corks inside an atom, that's the smallest element. Like, what is he talking about? He, re- he brings up the mustard seed to show them, you guys know how small this seed is. This one millimeter seed, but when it grows, it can grow into maybe just a large shrub, but sometimes it goes to a tree that's eight feet, 12 feet tall. That's an amazing return. One millimeter can barely even hold it in between our hands can grow to 12 feet tall. What is so unimpressive and so small and something you would barely even notice, something you wouldn't even be, something that would not stop you in your tracks will eventually blow you away. Jesus says, that's what my kingdom's like. It's also like a woman baking bread. Jesus talks about this woman who takes just a handful of leaven or yeast and mixes it into 50 pounds of flour and now enough to feed 100 people. Just from that little handful, now boom, it's all spreading throughout. That that leaven, that yeast goes throughout the whole dough and gives rise and now bread for hundreds. So what is Jesus getting to with this little seed that can grow to 12 feet, a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven, spreading through 50 pounds of dough, He's telling us, my kingdom is viral. My kingdom's viral. When something goes viral, we we know what that means today. Let's think about it. The floss, not the thing we all lie to our dentist about, but the dance. I'm not doing it. People in the first service were, were begging for it. It's not happening. That silly dance went viral spread around the world, across ages, because you have someone like my 10-year-old daughter doing the floss, and then you can see 90-year-olds flossing on America's Funniest Home Videos and doing it not bad. How does that happen? It goes viral. 
And just last week, my son Oliver scored his first goal in a soccer game and he celebrated, uh, you know, just like soccer players do. And to celebrate, he did the Naruto run, which if you don't know what the Naruto run is, uh, I can show you the Naruto run. I can do that, Marianne, I got you. It's the Naruto run is where you put your arms behind your back and you run forward, like it looks weird. Um, so you're free to laugh. You run like this because it's from a Japanese anime cartoon. But my son's never seen it. And there's, it went viral on YouTube of people doing the Naruto run. My son doesn't watch YouTube. People were doing the Naruto run at Area 51. When, remember when that whole thing was going on? People thought, we can Naruto run and we could dodge bullets faster. <laughs> How in the world does my son know about a Japanese anime run on YouTube at Area 51? Because his friends do it. Kids at school do it. This is how things spread. Word of mouth, imitation, and enjoyment. The kingdom of heaven is a lot like the floss. The kingdom of heaven is like the Naruto run. It starts small and it spreads and it grows from one person to the next to the next. So why does Jesus tell us this? Why does Jesus tell his early disciples this? Well, think about what would be going on in their minds at this point in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus is recruiting disciples as a new teacher, training them, teaching them, and, and he's about to deploy them to go spread his name and spread his message. And these early disciples might be tempted to think, we're a small outfit. I mean, by the beginning of the book of Acts, there's only 120 of them. They might be tempted to think, we don't have the resources of the Zeus Temple Network. How are we going to be successful? The temple to Diana has a lot of cash behind it. We don't have the power. We're a small group. I don't think we're going to make it. And Jesus says, you're like a mustard seed. You will be small and unimpressive. But you will grow to eight feet, 12 feet. You will spread the kingdom of heaven will spread and it will be unstoppable. So here it is, beloved. Don't be discouraged and downhearted about the progress of the gospel in our day and in our culture and in our time. It is too easy to look at what's happening in our world and be discouraged, acting as though this is the worst it's ever been. This is not the worst it's ever been. This is how it's always been. It will often seem like the church is losing. We aren't. Listen, the early church spread their message while living in a time as scholar and historian Larry Hurtado in his book, Destroyer of the Gods, describes the kind of ecosystem that the early church was in as a cafeteria of Roman gods and goddesses. Where, and just like a cafeteria, you can take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. If you were the typical average Greco-Roman person in the first century, you could worship Zeus in the morning. You could go by the temple of Aphrodite in the afternoon and you could pour out a 40 for Caesar just for good luck. This was how, now the early church emerges and they have a message that there is a crucified man who can save you and forgive you of all of your sins. There is someone who rose from the dead who can give you new life if you'll turn and believe in him. You don't have to go offer a sacrifice to Poseidon if you're taking a trip. You don't have to go visit the temple of Aphrodite to help your love life. 
But in this crucified and risen Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, you can be saved. And guess what? How's the mustard seed doing today? It's doing great. Let's ask it from the other side. Um, Did you see any local gatherings of Poseidon at Lake Conroe or Galveston recently? Anybody know any Poseidon worshipers? Did you pass a temple of Aphrodite on your way to church this morning? Have you seen a, a Zeus gathering lately? Apollo, Jupiter, Mars, Artemis? No, they're all gone. And these were the mega gods of their culture. These were the things that loomed large and so big and so impressive and towered over their culture and they're all dead just along with Caesar. But Christianity is alive and well because Jesus is alive and well. All those gods, all those religions died with that culture, but not Christianity because Christianity is above culture. Christianity sets the culture. This is why Christianity is not an American religion. Christianity is not a white man's religion. Christianity doesn't belong to the church in the United States. If the church in the United States fails and dies and becomes powerless, the church will still be just fine because it belongs to Jesus. This is what's so encouraging if you think about the church and all the other major religions in the world, the ones that aren't connected to Jesus at all, they are mostly based on ethnicity, broadly. Islam is mostly Arab. Buddhism is mostly Asian. Hinduism is mostly Indian and South Asian peoples. But Christianity goes global. It's not limited just to one ethnicity or even based in one ethnicity. From day one, Jews and Gentiles come together in Christ. And now it's Colombian and it's Canadian, it's Mexican, it's Filipino, it's Kenyan, it's Iranian, it's Chinese, it's Korean. The mustard seed grows. The kingdom of heaven keeps growing and going. So don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. We aren't defeated because Jesus isn't dead. So, Spread the mustard seed. Spread it. Don't, I saw a meme while I was studying for the sermon this week. It's like that like, like picture of someone holding a mustard seed and it said, I have a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it. Don't be afraid to use it. Throw it out there and let the sower do his work. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell them about the kingdom of heaven. Tell them Jesus is king. And you will, when you know the worth and the joy of the kingdom, when you know the viral power, and also when you know the viral joy-inducing worth of the kingdom of heaven. Look what Jesus says in verse 44. So now he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy... So there's joy, and his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. So Jesus wants you to imagine a guy walking through some fields, taking a shortcut, heading home from work, minding his own business, and he trips, trips on a box, almost like a clamp it. Black gold, Texas tea is here. <laughs> trips on this box. What in the world is this? Looks down, it's treasure. Giant box, rubies, gold, medallions, emeralds, you name it, doubloons, pirate treasure, whatever. 
And he also sees, man, this field's for sale. I'm gonna put all this treasure back, cover it back up. He says he reburies it, put everything back the way it was. I wanna be respectful. How much is this field for sale for? I don't have enough. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I gotta have that treasure. I, I cannot be the same. I have to have that treasure. I know I'll sell everything I have. It's exactly what Jesus says. He goes and sells everything he has. Estate sale, gone. House, sold. Camel, sold. My two hump camel, sold. Convertible camel, sold. Doves, sold. Chairs, bowls, cups, utensils, whittling kit, fishing net, farming tools, leather tent, everything. Everything, all my clothes, the ones I'm wearing, all for sale. And he does it all with a smile on his face. He's, he's giddy the whole time. In his joy, he goes and sells everything he has. And his friends probably think he's losing his mind. He's worked so hard for all that stuff. He, he, he was trade. He, he gave his whole life to learn that craft and he's selling the tools for it. His life must be falling apart. But he takes all that money and goes and buys that field just so he can have the treasure. It's mine. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. There is a joy igniting value of the kingdom. So beloved, being a Christian isn't to miss out on the thrills of life. It is to get the best ones. Better than what this world has to offer. Following Jesus and walking with him, loving him, learning from him, doing what he says isn't just so we won't go to hell. Being a Christian isn't just, well, that's better than going to hell. I better be a Christian. No, it's treasure. It creates a joy in you that doesn't even, doesn't even view following Jesus as a loss, but as a gain. That you love following Jesus. So there's joy and you see the treasure and you just love Jesus. So you do what he says and you love him. And the danger right now in this passage is to interpret what this guy's doing as a sacrifice. Oh, he made all these sacrifices for the kingdom. Wrong. He did not, he did not make one sacrifice here. You see what happens in the passage? He's not sacrificing. He's selling. He's making a business decision. All of this stuff does not compare to what I can get for that, what's in that treasure, what's in that field. Sell it all, give me that money, and I am gonna parlay it now into something that is way more valuable. And he buys the treasure hidden in the field. He's not sacrificing. He's pursuing a net gain. I'm getting rid of all this stuff to get this. And you've done this too if you're a Christian. And we do this every day. If you're a Christian, we, we do this all the time. But you have to see the treasure and then you have to see the joy of it and then it leads to the selling. Some of us wanna jump just to the selling, but we haven't seen the treasure and we don't have the joy. And we're trying to sell, we're trying to repent, we're trying to let go of dreams that we have and we're, we're trying to become something, but we haven't seen the treasure. And if you don't see Jesus as treasure, then you won't have joy. It'll just be empty, hollow, dead religion. And then you'll always just be half-hearted. You gotta see Jesus as the treasure. If you only see Jesus as a way to not go to hell, he won't be that joy-inducing to you. He won't be that precious to you. He'll be about as viable to you as your car's insurance policy. Do you print off your insurance card 
Monday mornings at 5 a.m., sit with a cup of coffee and circle and highlight your insurance card. Hold your insurance card when you go to bed at night. I just love you. No. It hasn't done anything for you. The only reason when you're grateful you have insurance is when something happens. So since nothing has happened to your soul yet, if Jesus is just the insurance policy, you don't really love him. You don't perceive he's actually done anything for you yet. But if you see Jesus as a treasure, if you see him and the joy of the forgiveness he's given you, of the new life Jesus has given you right now, of the eternal security he's ushered into your life right now, and just the fact that you get to be with Jesus, that Jesus himself is the great joy of the Christian life, of the one who loves you and the one who died and rose for you and the one that he doesn't roll his eyes when you pray to him and that when he thinks about you, he doesn't just go, ugh. That when you call him your friend, he says, I am. When you call him your Lord, he says, I am. When, he, when you say, you're my salvation, he says, I am. Beloved, when you see Jesus as the treasure that he is, you don't mind repenting of sin. Like the man selling what he has. You don't mind getting rid of those things. You don't mind recalculating the way the world defines success and the way Jesus does. You want to give up sexual sin. You want to sell the American dream. You want to give up being obsessed with politics and you want to sell off thinking you gotta act a certain way and live a certain way and dress a certain way and live a certain way and drive a certain thing to have meaning in life. When you see Jesus as the treasure that's hidden in this world, you see he's enough. Just give me Jesus. I'll I'll gladly follow Jesus. Just give me him. Take it all. I'm trading it all in. I'm selling it all. I want him. But you gotta see him as the treasure. If you don't, you'll never commit those transactions. You won't turn. You won't put your life on the market and you, you won't buy into Christ. You gotta be like that merchant searching for the pearl. Look at what Jesus says in verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold, same thing, he found it, sold everything he had and bought it, business decision. Maybe you're searching today. Do you see the difference in the two, the the guy who found the treasure? He found it. He wasn't even looking for it. That's how some of us were converted. We were just going about our lives and then boom, we found the kingdom of heaven. We tripped on it in the field of our lives and we were saved. Some of us, maybe you're searching. You've tried to find relief for your soul. You've tried to find meaning in life. Wondering, there's got to be more than this. There has to be more than work and fun and sleep. Work and fun and sleep. There's got to be more. And the Bible says Jesus is that pearl. The thing that you ought to be looking for. The gospel glimmers today in the market of this world and it's offered to you. And the good news of the gospel is that you don't even really have to buy it. What Jesus is saying is, this is like someone who's repenting, turning from all their sins and says, I want this. You turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus and it's all yours. The risen king offers his kingdom to you. This is why the kingdom of heaven is so great because who the king is. So do you have the treasure? Do you have the pearl? You can believe today 
Maybe you've been looking in empty bottles and you've been looking in hookup experiences or you've been, you've been searching through your career, you've been searching for joy in life through finances, searching in, through joy in life through having the right kind of family that you can present on social media, searching for significance in life and where you live and what you drive and all those kinds of things. All, all the things that moth and rust will destroy. But there was someone who couldn't even be destroyed by death. And he offers himself to you. Do you have the treasure? You can believe today and Jesus will save you. And Christian, is this how you see following Jesus? As this astronomical net gain in your life? Or do you view it as a chore? Christ is no chore. And if you view Christ reading his word, praying to him, loving him, worshiping him, if you view it as a chore, then you don't know the treasure. You've heard of treasure. But if you don't have the joy, then you don't see Jesus as a treasure. Friends, a day is coming, Jesus says, where the net will be cast and the fish will all be dragged in and believers will be put over here and unbelievers will be put over here. Where will you be? This is what Jesus asks us in verse 51. Look at, look at what he says in verse 51. Have you understood all of these things after, he, after all of his parables? And they answered him, yes. So Jesus is asking you as you read this by the power of the spirit, do you understand what I'm saying? How do you answer all these parables? It should be, yes, I hope, Yes. I understand that you're the treasure. I understand that you're the pearl. I understand the kingdom. We should not be discouraged. I understand, Lord. I see. Look at what Jesus says. Therefore, if you understand every teacher of the law, every expert in the Old Testament, he says, who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom treasures new and old. Here's what Jesus is getting at. Are you a disciple of the kingdom of heaven? Do you see that? Everyone who becomes, you gotta become a disciple of the kingdom. You are born again. No one is born naturally and just becomes a disciple of the kingdom just by mere showing up. There is something radical that happens in your soul. Are you a disciple of Christ? Not just a churchgoer. Every single one of us in this room is a churchgoer. That is not what Jesus is asking us. And some of you may, ask, may answer the question, are you a disciple? Are, are you a Christian? You might answer, yeah, I'm kind of a Christian. There are no kind of a Christians. Are you a Christian? Are you a disciple? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much. No, there are no pretty much Christians. Are you a disciple of the kingdom? You know, if you had to peg me for something, yeah, I'd say I'm a Christian. There are no, I guess I'd say I'm a Christian. The Bible doesn't know those categories. It's Christian or not. It is disciple or not. Where are you? Jesus welcomes you in. All the disciples of Christ, we are imperfect disciples. We sin, we struggle, we fail, we fall down. And because we are his disciples, we believe we can get back up by the power of the spirit and believe we are forgiven and walk with him again. That is the Christian life. So where are you? You can join the kingdom of heaven today. Put your sins on Craigslist. Sell them off. 
tie a cinder block to your idols and chunk them into eBay. Look to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. His cross, his empty tomb, and you will have treasures in your life and in your soul and in eternity that far outweigh a $26.6 million painting hanging over someone's hot plate. You can have life everlasting and life after life. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Let's pray together. King Jesus, help us. Help us to look to you, to to believe in the viral power of your kingdom. We do not belong to a weak sauce kingdom. We are now citizens and heirs of your kingdom, Christ. So by the power of the Spirit, would you help us to cast the mustard seeds far and wide, to have a mustard seed and to use it, to knead the message of your kingdom into the dough of our communities and our lives, and Jesus, we, just need, we need to view you as a treasure and not as a drudgery. Oh, Lord, some of us are just, we've turned, we think Bible reading and spiritual disciplines and all these things are the point of the Christian life, but know that you are. And these are all just vehicles to show us you. So become our treasure again, Lord. Show us your worth again. Restore to us again the joy of our salvation. Help us, King Jesus. It's in your name and in your blood that we pray. Amen.